Everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 34 of Music on the Run. My guest this week, great guitar player, Canadian, and you probably know him from his solo career or his career with Bon Jovi. Phil X is next on Music on the Run. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey, everybody. I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, and Amy Few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 34 of Music on the Run. Yeah, I'm back from Hawaii. Man, what, what a great trip that was. I needed it. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed that last episode with Glenn Phillips from my lanai. Yeah, it was, it was very tough. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, let's move on to uh, my guest today. He's a guitar player, a songwriter, a vocalist. He's played on records for Tommy Lee, Avril Lavigne, Triumph, Alice Cooper, Rob Zombie, and Parliament Funkadelic. I got to talk to him about that. He has his own band, which is so cool, called The Drills. And he happens to be a current member of Bon Jovi. Please welcome my guest, Phil X. How are you, I brother? I man. That's cool if I'm talking about myself. <laughs> hey, you know, I did my research on you. I Man, I had a blast doing my research on you. You... You're a bad, you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. That's, uh, I mean, I feel blessed that I get to play guitar and, and it pays the bills. You know, uh, that makes me happy. But you sing your butt off, man. The dr- I was just checking out the new single by The Drills. And, oh, uh, yeah. So cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. So cool, and the and the lyric video is so cool. It's it's, it's I love you on her lips, right? Is yeah. that the same? That lyric video is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I had a buddy of mine. It's funny because you know you never know. You meet people. You moved to LA. I moved to LA in '97. So okay. and we had a mutual friend also from Canada who put me and my friend Frank Griner together, and then Frank Griner ended up being. Uh, an, an assistant engineer, no, actually the engineer for Scott Humphrey, um, okay. who was another Canadian who was producing uh, Tommy Lee's Methods of Mayhem. And uh, he did a Rob's, the Rob Zombie record, Hellbilly Deluxe, that put him on the map. So he did the Tommy Lee thing. And then uh, I was, it's funny, it's kind of like a true Hollywood story. I was painting the garage. Of course. And, and Tommy was like, we got to get a guitar player on this, uh, on this. And Scott says, well, let's get Phil. And Tommy goes, uh, the dude paint in the garage. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, put the paintbrush down, walk in, pick up a Les Paul. I start playing. And Tommy's like, dude, you got to play on the whole record. Wow. But it snowballed into, you know, Rob Zombie coming by going, Hey man, I'm, um, I really like what you're doing on Tommy's record. Will you play on my next record? Well, he and didn't come by and say, hey, I, I love the job you did on the garage. I need my garage painted. That's not how that went. Somebody else said that. <laughs> and goes, Who painted this garage? <laughs> I mean, wow. Well, they, they were turning the garage into, I mean, the garage is a good story, but they're oh. literally turning the garage into a drum room. You All know? right. So, so we were baffling corners and uh, shaping you know, getting rid of all the right angles <laughs> and right. Uh, for some reason. Um, and then, uh, but it, it's, it's, it just turned into this whole other thing. You know, you have, it's LA. So, you know, Rob goes golfing with Alice Cooper and gives my number to Alice Cooper and says, you got to use this guy on your next record. <laughs> so it's unreal. It just, it just happens that way. And then there's other, other streams that happen. This stream with the, the, the Scott Humphrey, Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper stream is happening. But then yeah. a friend of mine from Canada 
who's in a band called Our Lady Peace. I did, uh, I met those guys in the beginning and played a solo on their first record. And then he, when he turned into a producer, he was producing Avril Lavigne and said, uh, I got to call Phil. He's in LA. Hey, you want to play on Avril Lavigne's record? I'm like, yeah, what day? Yeah. So, and then that turned into Kelly Clarkson. And then another stream started with Howard Benson. And it's just, um, you I gotta think the get bottom to line is, is if if you have to show up game and deliver. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people think I don't have I mean, I borrowed a Les Paul to do the Alice Cooper record. Come on. I did. Because this guy was already giving me it ended up being a really cool dude. Like uh Bob Marlette was producing Alice Cooper Brutal Planet, and uh he had never heard of me. And he was like, yeah, I got to call this guy for Alice, whatever. Hey, man, you want to come on Wednesday and play some guitar? And uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm like, man, I better not show up with my sticker guitar. Hey, Matt, can I borrow your Les Paul? So it kind of <laughs> went like that. Borrowed the Les Paul, went in. And even, even when I was there, he was like, okay, I did all the rhythm guitars and the bass myself. Just looking for some pixie dust. Go. Uh, and they right. press record. Like, I mean, not even let's hear it. It was like press record to see what I would do instinctually. Woo. And then he, and then I was like, oh man, you got this. It's all good. So the first thing that came out, wow, that was awesome. Can you double it? I'm like, I have no idea what I did. Can I listen? <laughs> so, I mean, I became that guy that if you want, if you want energy and, and tricky stuff and not out of the box, if you want out of the box stuff, you got to get this guy. Because hmm. he doesn't just come in and, you know, like for me, I feel like let's have a big chorus and then do a chimey chorus, the arpeggio thing. Yeah, right. And then, and then it's, I mean, it's now it sounds like a car commercial because everybody's doing it, right? Right, right. So I would always find something else. I'm, I'm a songwriter, so I also try to, vocal is king. So mm -hmm. I would do stuff that would complement the vocal and the melody and we got to get that Phil guy. That's how it just rolled like that. But you're obviously a producer, too, because you think like one when you play. I think that's handy, too. And yeah. you're totally right. Yeah. The, the producer credit that never is a credit. <laughs> well, true. Yeah. But you produce yourself because you're listening for melody. And for just so you know, my, my, a lot of my listeners are coming from the running world as well. So they're, they're going to be fascinated by this. But just so my listeners understand, when you get called in to go do a recording session... Sometimes the producer will give you very specific instructions yes. or write a chart or tell you to play a certain line. Basically, what he's saying to us is that he gets called to do the exact opposite, which is put stuff that he's feeling off the top of his head. So he has to take into consideration what's already been put down and what he can add to it that won't overshadow uh, the vocal. Right. So that's the translation of what you just I, said. I remember the moment yeah. that it went from being in the studio with a guitar and the producer saying, I want this, 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 and this. But then when you work on 10 songs, yeah. this, 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 and this gets really tiresome yeah. after like two or three songs. So then I'd start doing, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try that sound. Let's try this part. And da, 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 da. So then the, and the, for the next project, the, pr project, the producer will walk in and go, oh, it's you. Yeah, do your thing. I'll see you in five hours. <laughs> Isn't that a I luxury? for the moment. It, it's it just, a luxury, right? Yeah. That's a luxury unless you start to get in your own head and you go, oh, man, I'm over my head or whatever. But it doesn't right. sound to me like that happens. You just show up and be you. You're, you seem like a confident dude. You know what you're doing. You know what to play. And what the cool thing that I noticed about you through my research, you're super musical. You play great notes. You've got great feel. And everything that I listen to from you know my funk background and your rock background is everything you do has a groove. Oh, thank you. That everything means a lot to me because I feel like groove is, is super important and finding that pocket. And that's why my bass player in the drills, because we've played with, I don't know, 100 drummers. But my bass player in the drills, Daniel Spreewald, I, we're, we're from Canada, so obviously he's my left wing for life, you know, hockey yeah, stands. Got you, yeah. Um, we're from Minnesota. We're not far from you. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the glue between me and every drummer. Okay. 
and I love drums. I'm a huge fan of drums. But you so, play too, right? Know, you play a little bit. You play yeah. a little bit. No. Come on. I, I suck at drums. Yeah, but you play, but, I bet. No, I, I, I got to say it's not what, what I do isn't playing. Okay. You own a <laughs> set of drums. All right. I understand. But I do want to, I want to, you know, my, we got a, a junior kit for my son who is seven and um, I want to get him interested in drums and, and guitar. And we have a pan, piano laying around. I mean, I'm, without guidance, they just sit down and do stuff. Right. Which is yeah. really amazing. You know, uh, important to me, but I feel like the groove is so, I feel like I always wanted to just have motion. And that's where some of the things that I've heard from producers is like, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm a little on top because I'm a guitar player. Exactly 30 frames. No, (laughs) but I know I'm on top because I'm a guitar player, but there's energy. Right. So the producer will sit there and go, well, that sounds great. Um, can you sit back in the pocket a little bit? I'm like, yeah. So I sit back in the pocket a little bit and he's like, wow. So now it's in the pocket, but there's no energy. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get both, you know? So, but I'll try. The quest um, for both. And then, then another thing that a producer once said to me once was, uh, just record everything. How can I mute it if you don't record it? Aha. Uh-huh. So there's Some, all these things that you learn from other producers. Um, and I mean, you're, we're learning every day, right? You're learning about people. You're learning about music. You're learning about, you hear something on the radio and go, wow, that was a really cool chord progression mm-hmm. with that melody. And we can listen to music like that. And I think that's so special. Oh, totally. Yes. So let, let's, you're from Canada. Is it Mississauga? Yeah, which is just outside Toronto. I usually okay. say Toronto because... Uh, that's the one that everybody knows. God, but of course, I did my research and I saw that uh, they inducted you into the Walk of Fame, which I think is super awesome that your hometown does that for you. Uh, yeah, it was really special. I, I mean, thought you, know, it was. you know what's really cool about that is my mom. She loves that stuff. And I happen to be in um, a situation like my mom's been there for the, the whole career. You know, yep. she's, been for, she's been there for the whole roller coaster ride. She was there for the dips and the peaks. Oh, yeah. And and when we played, uh, when Bon Jovi played uh, in Toronto at the Air Canada Centre, which is probably called something else now, mm. you know, John let me sing the second verse of One of Dead or Alive oh, for my mom. Right. Oh, did he really? He said, hey, man, do it for your mama. Let's do it. Here, take my microphone. He got me on his microphone and I sang the second verse of One of Dead or Alive. And uh, I got it on video. It's... And she's just, I'm, I'm seeing her. She's beaming. Ah. <laughs> so that's, that's my boy. So it's kind of like an incredible, uh, you know, when she saw me jamming in the basement and then she saw me playing in a club and then she saw me in front of 20,000 people with Bon Jovi. So it's, and everything in between, obviously. And it's mom. And mom, and, and she turned mom. eighty-four last week, last month. Sorry. God bless her, man. I'm, you're a very lucky man that she still got your mom. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm in my mom's house. I inherited the family home, so she was an incredible jazz pianist. Wow. My whole family are they're musical, but this is where we grew up. And this, what you see right here, this is the rehearsal space. Wow. When you come through town, we'll hang. We have a great hang down in this basement. We'll play the whole bit, but mom. Moms are special. We, she died a few years ago, and, but she was, Sorry. you would have dug her, man. So good for you that, that you honor your mom, man. That's so important. Well, it really she, is. And that's that, that, the, the walk of fame thing that you were talking about. She was there for that. And she, yeah. it just meant the world to her. Yeah, I and, bet. Um, you know, and you, it's, it's nice to be regarded in that, in that way with, you know, with, from your peers and, you know, it was uh, it was really cool. I mean, she came to the Rock of Fame, the Rock Hall of Fame with Bon Jovi in in Cleveland. Oh, and uh, and it was funny because I had my kids there. We were on the road, yeah. and then we're in Cleveland and we're doing the Rock Hall of Fame. With bon Jovi getting inducted, right? And then my wife and my kids are there, and I don't. I'm, they're going back to Toronto with my mom, and so I don't know when I'm going to see them again. So I leave. I don't go to the after party. Right. So, so I go into the hotel 
and I'm hanging with my kids. And then they leave the next morning with my mom. And then I'm getting calls from everyone. They're like, you know what? We thought you were the rock star, but the rock star is your mom. <laughs> she was at the after party dancing with Tico and hanging out and talking about you. Oh, man. Like, yeah, that's my mom. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So take me back to, um, I just want to get a little bit of history because I think it's fascinating. You starting off in, in high school with, with your band. Is it Sidnex? Wow, man. Yeah. Come on with it. I want to hear about it because you're in high school and that band lasted a little while too, didn't it? Yeah, we got out of high school. We printed a vinyl six song EP. Um, I had, I, I go, I think, you know, when you think back, if you could have done something a little, how we recorded the guitars, but it's, that's a geeky thing. Yeah. I think the songs came out pretty cool. Um, and it was, you know, the first bunch of songs that I wrote and, and the bass player wrote some lyrics to some of the songs. And, and it's, it's one of those things where that was the first time, but you, when you're young and in high school, you're also super naive. Like we're on our yeah. way. <laughs> Isn't that a great we're energy we, though? We're, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm working at my dad's bar and uh, to pay for, and and this guy got money from his grandmother and this guy got money from his parents yeah. and and we're all like we're on our way even though it's coming out of our pockets you know right so yeah but i mean it's it's everything's like i said earlier everything's a learning experience and um i really getting to go out getting to make a record and go out and do shows and play at the high school mm. and then i feel like Whatever you're doing, if you're just playing all the time, you're really honing in on your craft. So, you know, when we were doing three 45 minute sets, I'd finish, you know, thank you, good night. I'd go to my room and play woodshed until the next morning. And then I'd get up and have breakfast and then woodshed until we went on. So I was always playing guitar. So people are like, how much do you practice now? I go, not a lot. But man, <laughs> back then, Mm -hmm. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't times where I didn't have a guitar. And then, um, and then somebody sent me a schedule even further down the road, say, you know, in 1990, in 1988, I was toured with a, um, a Canadian band called Frozen Ghost. Okay. And then in 1990, I was touring with a band called Aldo Nova. And right. In 1993, yep. I played in Triumph for a bit and we put a record out. And then, so... Now I don't want to be a side guy anymore. And I just want to be in a band and write. And then that leads me to moving to LA in 97. And you think, okay, well, now I'm in LA, something's going to happen, but no, you're, you know, you're working weird jobs and, and, uh, you know, selling meat out of the back of a pickup truck and, <laughs> and, uh, what do you mean? wearing you mean? A, a sandwich board. Like you see in the cartoons, that was real for me for a week. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, 10 bucks an hour is 10 bucks an hour. And then 99 is when, uh, you know, I was painting the garage and then ended up playing guitar. But I, it's before I moved to L.A., how it got to the point of what I have in my hands and what I have in my throat is a Monday night jam, a Tuesday night jam, yeah. a Wednesday night jam, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three 45-minute sets at somewhere within a 500-mile radius. And then a Sunday night jam. And it wasn't uncommon for us to do 21 days straight. Mm. And when you play the ski resort north of Toronto, you're doing two matinees in the afternoon. Oh. So that's how I honed in this and this. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I really specifically just, this is, that's where the hands came from. And then when I'm in the studio now in LA, the engineer is like, can you stand further back? Because <laughs> the you're, you're acoustically louder oh, oh, than the, wow. the near fields. And Woo. I'm like, well, I could pick lighter. And they're like, no, no, no. I love what's happening. But I just, I can't, I hear you too much. <laughs> so I'd have to wow. back up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's from playing in lousy bars with lousy PAs and lousy monitors and beating the crap out of strings. Do you love it? I love it. Oh, That's the so bottom much. line. Throughout the years, has that 
when we're young, like you said, it's just like, we're going to be great. We're going to be famous. We're going to be this now. And then you go through the ups and downs, like, you know, not maybe not getting signed or moving to LA and selling meat out of the back of the truck. Because some of these things can be hits to uh, financially and hits to your ego. And some, I found it that some artists, it, it takes a lot of time to get through that. And, and some people will interpret those years differently. And it sounds like to me that you use those years as your preparation and learning years to enable you to get to do what, you get, what you're doing right now. Yes. Is that definitely. fair? I think everything's cool, right? When people go, hey, where did you go, where did you go to college? I'm like, always oh, a van with two dudes. <laughs> <laughs> in a PA system. Right. Yeah. It, on the road, seven days a week, two matinees on Saturday at the ski resorts. That's yeah. college. I mean, it's, it's, it's something like, um, that's why I feel like I wish these kids, some of these kids, when people are like, when I do clinics and when I speak to, at schools and people have the questions and, and, you know, what's it like to do that? And what's it like to do that? And what were you thinking when you did that? And it's always about, not only staying positive and seeing like a light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. but what can I do to improve what I'm doing? Right. What, what would take it to the next level? And I, I just feel like you see all these videos, you open up Instagram and there's a hundred guys like, you want to play faster? Take my course. And, and I'm like, mm. well, that's not going to get him a gig with Lenny Kravitz. Right. Right. Or, right. or, or you, you have, you know, when I was a kid and I worked, I washed dishes at two restaurants to be able to buy a Marshall 412 cabinet. And, you know, you see the kids going, oh, man, I wish I could buy that pedal, but I, I don't have enough money. I'm like, cut some lawns, man. <laughs> yeah. Get to work. Do something. Get to Get work. The money. I didn't yeah. have the money. My first guitar when I was 11, my first pro guitar was a Strat. Secondhand, 350 bucks. My dad said. You work at the restaurant, whatever you make, I'll match. And I wow. raised 175 bucks and yeah. he matched it. And I bought that strat when I was 11 for 350. Cause he wanted me, if I buy you a guitar, you're going to feel one way about it. If you work hard <laughs> and put in your own dough, you will feel a different way about it. He was that's right. That's how I he? want you to feel. He was right. Yeah, totally. So was, were your parents, um, they're, they're not musical, or are they? Oh, my dad. My mom loves to sing. My, that's how they met. It's funny because they were both living uh, in, in villages outside of Esparti in Greece. So my dad was south. My mom was north. And they never met until both families migrated to Toronto. Oh, wow. And Toronto has an incredible Greek community. So they met at a Greek picnic, and he has bazooki. Oh, wow. And he's playing bazooki. Probably that bazooki right there from the 40s. Wow. Uh, and, and she heard him playing and she came over and started singing. And he's like, wow, you have a beautiful voice. And that, you know, six months later, they're married. Wow. That's it. Yeah. So, so music I mean, brought them my together. Dad, and he, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but my no, dad, not at all. he always wanted me to be a musician, but I think he wanted accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted a band. He wanted a band. So, hey, Phil literally bought me a guitar when I was five. I could barely hold it, but that's what I wanted for Christmas. Wow. And he got me that guitar and I started learning Elvis Presley songs. And when I was eight, he was, uh, we're at a wedding, like a big fat Greek wedding. They exist. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you want to get up and play some Elvis songs? I'm like, here? It's like all kinds of people. He goes, oh, you could do it. So, because I, I had, an, I was eight and had an Elvis Presley set. It was Blue Suede Shoes and Teddy Bear. So, this is before YouTube. Yeah. This is. Boy, would I love to see that, though. A, an eight year old gets up at a Greek wedding and plays and sings Teddy Bear and Blue Suede Shoes. Mm. And, uh, and this, you've never seen anything like that before in your life. So, everybody started freaking out. And that was the defining moment of this is what I want to do. So it's pretty, yeah. it's, my dad was really super supportive. What do you need? What do you want to do? What do you want to get? I'm not getting it, but I'll help you kind of thing, which was really, it, it helped me really appreciate everything that I had. But then when I didn't want to go to college, uh -huh. like, 
you're going to college. I go, I really don't want to go. I really just want to make music. And he goes, and he, you know, he was, he wanted to be rough, but he, his one line to me was, you have a bigger chance of winning the lottery than becoming a rock star. And at least go to school and have something to fall back on. This is how my dad, this is his approach. And I said, you always wanted me to play music. He goes, but I didn't want you to be professional. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But he, before he passed, he got to see some really big gigs. So it, uh, and he got to see me on MTV. No, Much Music, which is Canada's Canadian MTV. Yeah, I know it well. I've been on it before. Very yeah, cool. So he, when he saw that a few times, it was like, okay, you're doing, you're doing all right. Man, I'm sure he's, he's looking down. I'm very proud of what you're doing, man. Mm. What I see from my research on you is that you show up, you have fun. I saw, I saw the behind the scenes on the 2020 European tour that you did, that nice little 30-minute. Oh, yeah. You look like you're having a ball. Dude. We're going to break away from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, thank you to everybody who's embraced Funk Friday. We are having so much fun bringing a little joy to the internet every single Friday with a one-minute funk jam so thank you so much for that and if you like funk friday and you like music on the run and you want to become our partner and help us put those shows on go to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast again become our partner at patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast And there you'll get all the information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast and get some pretty cool merchandise and incentives in return. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank the patrons who've already signed up. We could not do this show without you. As always, thank you so much for supporting us here at Music on the Run. Now back to our interview. You look like you're having a ball. Dude. And it's funny that tour that that we got cut off because of COVID, uh, we had to come home early. But I was doing press, you know. So and I hate days off. So I mean, I get a call um, from John, like John Bon Jovi, calling me in in the UK. Go, hey, how's it going out there? I go, it's going great, man. How many shows you do in a row? I go four. And he's like, God bless you. <laughs> singing full on for four shows. That's crazy. Right. But I would hate days off. So we had, I believe it was eight shows in 11 days. So I booked two clinics. So it was eight shows and two clinics in 11 days. And I go off. I sing. I, my, I open my clinic singing communication ba- breakdown. because oh. I need to, That's my warm up. Oh. So, you know, it gets the blood going. So, but I, I did I'd say we did that, and and in the between, I'm doing press, and you know, so hey, so right now you're with the drills, but in June, because nothing was canceled yet, yeah, in June you're out with Bon Jovi again. What's the major difference? I'm like, well, I'm in a van, sharing hotel rooms, yes, playing in front of a hundred to three hundred people, yes, and in June it's arenas and jets. <laughs> That's what makes makes people know you love music. Yeah. Because you, you keep showing up. And it's so funny. Um, those little small shows and those rides in the vans and those three guys in one room or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Sometimes, at least for me, it, that sounds like a St. Paul tour, by the way. Uh, it, those are some of the funniest, most memorable moments and some of the most killing shows yeah. I've ever done are those little things. because you. You know what the twenty thousand is like, but yes. you get the opportunity and the you 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 get the chance to go play on your own, uh, and it, it's just you can't even put a dollar figure on something like that. Um, the no, fact you're that, totally right. The fact that John supports you and is happy for you to do that, yeah, is super cool because not all rock stars are like that. Well, you know it's funny because we we be landing somewhere in. Uh, Let's say we're landing somewhere in Bucharest or something. Yeah. Or 
I'm, I've, I've planned to go out to a hard rock cafe and meet some friends there and get up and jam, you know, kind of like you walk in and you uh, commandeer the house gear and start jamming. So I've planned to do that. And uh, so we're landing and John looks at me and goes, are you jamming somewhere tonight? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you got security? I'm like, no. Thomas, make sure Phil has security tonight. We got a couple of shows to go. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, he's right. If something happens, it didn't even occur to me because, and now I kind of feel like a little selfish about it, but it doesn't occur to me that if something happens to me, something happens to them. True. So that, that's when it sunk in. But I mean, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things was uh, we had a day off in Adelaide in, I believe it was 2018. Yeah, I think it was 2018. We had a couple, we had a day off in Adelaide and I had a friend in LA call me and go, man, if you want to play this open mic, mic night on Monday, I got the rhythm section for you and they'll learn whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm just going to learn a ton of ACDC and Zeppelin. And, and uh, so I don't, advertise that i'm going to this place but the fans already hear about it and start talking about it and when yeah. you can't get there you can't move and it's it's like but i had such a good time I'd just get up there and do some zeppelin and, and the rhythm section was great like my friend said they would be mm. and and what was really awesome was the band before us wasn't very good so that just made us look even better <laughs> <laughs> oh, occasionally that doesn't hurt right uh, <laughs> Doesn't hurt. All right, so we have uh, this is called music on the run, and okay. we want to uh, talk about how you navigate your time on the road. Why do you stay healthy? How do you stay sane? So, what does a day in the life of uh, Phil X look like? Let's say on the Bon Jovi tour. That's um, <clears throat> it would have been different after the 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 drills tour that happened. Um, and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, but it takes, it takes a minute when you're out there doing stadiums, it takes, a, we don't do sound check because the doors are open. Oh yeah. Right. So, um, you gotta try and do stuff that keeps it interesting for you. So, you know, uh, you go for a long walk in stock and then you look on your phone the next day and you find out that you walked seven miles because mm -hmm. it's an amazing city. Um, you know, when we played uh, Wembley Stadium, I had a friend with me and he goes, when the car take you to the gig? I go at this time and he goes, oh, dude, that's going to take forever. Why don't we take the tube? I'm like, all right. So I take the yeah. tube from the hotel to Wembley and uh, so I'm at the top of the stairs. I get off the train and this girl walks up to me. She's like, are you Phil X or you just look like Phil X? I was like, uh, <laughs> You get that a lot. And I just keep walking, right? Because if you right. stop for one, then there's You're done. a meet and greet at oh, Starbucks, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So we keep walking until, every, and then the, and then people are following us now and they're like, well, I think that's him. I think that's him. And then yep. now you got bolt. <laughs> so, but I mean, to me, that's fun stuff. Of you course. Know? Um, I, I really, the, you know, you have to hit the gym. You have to, for me, it takes me a while to figure out when to eat and how yeah. much to eat and yep. what not to eat. So it could be a week where, okay, this feels good. And then you get on stage and you're like, okay, that's not good. Uh, I eat, <laughs> right. You know, and you don't, yeah, you know, totally. you're going to sing wanted and you're like, you're gassy. So you got to watch what you eat and what time my cutoff time is like five o'clock if we're going on at eight 30. So I don't want to, you know, but you need something to sustain your energy. So you have a little bit of pineapple and some fruit and some nuts to make the sugar last a little longer. Right. And then you're, and then you're still hyped when you get off stage. So take, taking all that into consideration, you're also walking around a lot and you're doing push-ups and lunges before you go on stage. So you're loose. And then basically that's it. Um, I, I usually don't have breakfast. I usually just wait till one o'clock to have lunch or something. Got it. But with the drills, it was a completely different animal when we were in the UK in 2020. It was, we had a road manager, Carl, who was the, the best. He was really? a gift. Okay. Carl was a gift. Got he it. just, because not only is he wearing four hats, like 
road manager, advancing the gigs, uh, advancing the hotels, um, selling the merch, uh, making sure everything else is good, running the VIP meet and greet, all that stuff. He's wearing all those hats. He made a smoothies before we went on stage. Oh, he goes, I can make you a smoothie. And I'm like, make it. So he makes a smoothie and he's, you know, he's putting like stuff you've never heard of in the smoothie before, like turmeric and cayenne oh, yeah. pepper and pepper to make the turmeric even stronger and do what it does. And then there's a little avocado in there and there's half a banana and he's, and I'm like, what the heck? And then you get on stage. And you got all this energy and you're ready to rock. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the show's over. You've done your 90 minutes and yep. you're still ready to rock. Mm, and you're right. doing, you know, selling merch at the and the merch table doing all that stuff. I was like, man, I'm taking that shake to the Jovi tour. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. A little bit different story when you're on tour with uh, the drills than it is with uh, uh, John. A little bit. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm, you know, Musically, having both canvases is, is incredible. Of course. You know, I'm driving this bus and I'm in the passenger seat on this bus. Do you think that having both those canvases makes you a better team player in the Bon Jovi camp? When you got to be the lead guy over here and you have all the responsibilities, do you think it helps you support John better when you go into that situation? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. It's such a different animal that I really have to dial back what I do. Ah. I really have to dial back, but I do learn from John in a lot of ways. I, I learn, you know, the way he paces a show and he's, he's a really cool dude to learn from. Um, but when I go to the drills, it's way more manic. Okay. And my manic in Bon Jovi happens for about 30 seconds and keep the faith. Okay. <laughs> Whereas my manic, except for the one breakdown version of a song, we have beautiful apartment that we do in the drill show is pretty manic from top to bottom. Mm. I feel like, you know, when I walk off the stage and I'm exhausted, I feel like the audience is exhausted too. Mm. <laughs> They're like, right. I'm like, hey, how's everybody doing? And they're like, oh, I'm catching my breath. <laughs> I got like, a, I I got a cramp. Cramp. <laughs> but um so, you know, two different funny, animals though, too the thing with with think the thing with Joby that i learned early on was um it's 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 john's show and i'm there to support and Got it. even in the beginning i feel like you know how you know okay so you're you're a musician and you're a great musician but you have you know that this guy playing that song and this guy playing the exact same song is never going to be the same Right. You know, I don't, I don't play like Richie. Right. I just, I'm going to have a good guitar tone. I'm going to get as close as I can. Mm -hmm. And when somebody, you know, I was getting a lot of questions like, what was the hardest song you had to learn? And I said, there wasn't really anything technically difficult, but sometimes trying to capture the emotion intended yeah. is harder than nailing the licks. Right. And people, oh, wow. But for me, I just, I just wanted, I wanted to be, I want to, res, I want to respect the band. I want to respect the music. You want to respect Rich Sambora. You want to respect the, the fans. So it was always about just being in that seat where all the respect is laid out and I'm just doing the job. Yeah. Big shoes to fill in that band. Oh, of course. You yeah. know, he was definitely a principal character. I mean, he, he co-wrote all the big songs and. Mm. And he's got the, that voice. His voice is amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, stepping into that position was, and it's funny because people were like, what was the first show? Were you nervous? I'm like, you don't have time to be nervous. <laughs> right. You can't get in your head in, when you're going, walking on that stage. You got to stay out of your head when you're walking on the stage and you're just looking, you're thinking, dude, you've been playing guitar and singing your entire life. It's just Bon Jovi songs. You got it. Yeah. But that first show, 50,000 people at Jazz Fest in, in New, New Orleans, Orleans. Yep. You see 50,000 people and they're all looking at you going, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not Richie's. Uh, what? Who? Did, yeah. 
So that had was, to be that had to be great, and it had to be weird, and it was he seemed weird. to have, it was he it seemed was, to have handled I, I really it thought, beautifully. Though. I really thought because that was my first time on stage with a band, and I really thought John would say something. Hey, Richie couldn't make it tonight. Let's have a hand for Phil Axe, who showed up out of the blue, and he's filling in. But he waited until the encore, so it was a ninety minutes of everybody going, "Who's that guy?" But the funny thing was, is as soon as he said, "I'd like to thank Phil X for filling in for us." 50,000 people were like, Oh yeah. Checking you out. Oh, <laughs> hell Googling yeah. Who is this guy? So that was kind of, mm-hmm. that was kind of funny. Well, you might as well tell us uh, how you got the Bon Jovi gig. As long as we're talking about John. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, in, in people think that we, we go back cause we do go way back, but it, John meets and works with so many people. Like he's not, I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't remember me from 1990. Um, so John started a label and signed Aldo Nova and co wrote and co-produced that Aldo Nova record blood on the bricks. So I got into that band and when we were rehearsing, even Aldo was like, Hey, John's going to get on stage with us and probably well, let's do blaze of glory. So we learned blaze of glory because that was his current single. So we did a couple of events where we, we played Blaze of Glory and then John would co-sing our single, Blood on the Bricks. And there was a huge, the Houston Summit or something where not only was I in Aldo Nova, but Paul Rogers got on stage with us and we played our Ooh, kid man. with the long hair and the leather pants going, is this happening? This is crazy. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So... It, there was that, but then John, at the same time, John had to record um, a cover, an Elton John cover for the Elton John, Bernie Topin record that came out, Two Rooms. Mm-hmm. And he did Leave On, and he called Aldo and said, hey, uh, my band's kind of on hiatus right now. Do you guys want to come to the house and we'll record Leave On and have some barbecue and stuff? And we're like, yeah, sure. So we came over, we recorded Leave On. So I played all the guitars on that. Nice. And but I don't think, again, I don't think John ever remembered that kid from Aldonova. Right. But I, it, it all happens, you know, they say be at the right place at the right time kind of thing. But uh, it was, it kind of went that way. Like John Shanks, who had produced a number of Bon Jovi records at the time. Who's a friend of mine as well. We share him in common. See, they're Shanks. He basically, it was funny because, okay, so you know Ken Aronoff, obviously, because yep. mm-hmm. he gave you money. That's how you and I know each digits, other. Yes. And Chris Cheney was bass, playing bass on this project. We were at Henson. And Shanks would walk in and see us having lunch. He'd go, hey, Kenny, hey, Chris, hey, guitar guy. Like this. <laughs> but then a couple of days later, we're in studio D and he's in his studio and he hears, he hears that we're still there. So he comes into the studio and comes up to me and he goes, you are a funny mother effer. And I'm yep. like, what? He goes, I couldn't stop watching your guitar videos last night. Uh-huh. And, it sounds like, and it sounds like you can play and sing anything. See? So that's how we met. Funny. Two weeks later, he goes, he calls me. I got your number from Chris. Um, I think I have a gig for you. I can't tell you what it is over the phone. Can you come to my studio tomorrow? And I went in and I'm like, what's this gig? And he goes, you might have to fill in for Richie Sambora and Bon Jovi. And I'm like, what? (laughs) How is that even possible? Yeah. He goes, well, this is the situation. Here's a contract. Here's a statement of confidentiality. John Bon Jovi took John Shank's word for it. Out of the game. No audition, no nothing. 25 songs to learn. Yep. You might get a rehearsal. You might walk on stage. Wow. And I was like, this doesn't even sound real. And then uh, a couple of months later, I had worked on the music. I got it all together. I felt pretty good about it. And April 14th, Actually, this uh, April 14th, it'll be 10 years. Wow. It was April 14th, 2011, that John actually called. I didn't get the phone because I didn't recognize the number. Of course. And the message was, hey, Phil, it's uh, John Majovi. Uh, I'm calling. It's oh. my number. Ooh. So I pick up, I call him, and we talk on the phone. And uh, that was it. He said, I, wanna, I want you to come to New York at the end of the month. 
uh, rehearse with a band for a couple of days and put you on hold for May. Yep. So there was some kind of cycle that had been happening. Every time they took time off, when Richie came back, there was questionable performance situations. Mm-hmm. So, and then I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Um, and, that's, and that's what happened, except when I flew to New York to rehearse with the band, they, uh, Richie had gone into rehab. Got it. So it was like, I don't know if you heard, but Richie went into rehab. So on hold for May is now you're, on, you're playing May. And wow. I was like, okay. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was funny because John, John works in mysterious ways. I don't think anybody else knew and anybody else in the band knew what was going on. So we get to SIR in New York and I'm just, John's calling songs and I'm just rifling through the songs and everybody's looking around and, and Tico, I heard Tico go, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It was, uh, so everybody felt pretty good. And, uh, and, and, and it was an experience, man. It was amazing. You know, you, when you have an idea of how things work and then you actually see the inner workings of something that big, yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I learned about fans too. I, I, I learned about, you know, I did five shows and there was the same people in the front row at five shows. And I'm like, what's that all about? Oh Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're, they're super fans. Or I mm-hmm. call them super fans. They, go, they, just, they love the band so much. It brings them so much joy. They go to multiple shows. Mm-hmm. And I go, so what? And then I meet fans in the lobby. It's with the Bon Jovi chairs. You know, the front row is Bon Jovi artwork chairs. And they're like, okay. And so I'm not talking to fans in, in the lobby. Those are, uh, if you get a certain VIP package, you get to take a chair home. And this girl goes, I have five chairs. You need a table. <laughs> yes, you do. So, it was it was kind of like that, you know. And um, it was a. It's kind of when you when you when I look back now, I feel like everything that played out was uh, was pretty amazing. And then they said, "Richie's coming back. Thank you for your job. Here's a bonus. See ya." Got it. Yeah. You thought and well, that was two years it. later it was when I was at Trader Joe's, and you know John calls. And I'm like, John, a Joby Cohen. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah, look, everyone. Wait. Look, it's John. What's up, Johnny? It, yeah. You know? Yeah, talking and real he, loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, we need you in Calgary tonight. Uh, I was like, wait, tonight, tonight? And he's like, yeah, tonight, tonight. And uh, Scotty's going to call you. Scott was a road manager, Scott Casey. And he called and said, so, hey, let's... Uh, Let's get you to the, uh, get a car to your house in an hour and we'll get you to the signature airport and you will fly to Calgary like that. And meanwhile, me and my girl are pregnant. My girl is having a terrible first trimester and I call her and I go, Hey, uh, so I got a call from Bon Jovi and she's like, Oh, when are you leaving? I said, be a car at the house in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, to my surprise, she's like, do you need me to pick anything up? Do you need me to do laundry? What do you want me to do? And See? I'm like, oh, man, you're the best. So she's been my one since. That's but, great. Uh, that was crazy. I didn't make it to, there was plain funk, so I didn't make it to, uh, to Calgary in time. But the next day, we had a lengthy sound check in Edmonton. And then I've kind of been the guy since. How'd that change your life, man? Um, you know, it's funny because you there's so many things that uh, you think like okay, being in a huge band and a mega band that yeah. there are positives, of course. Um, for me, being a session guy on time off, it 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 kind of like hindered my session world because you're gone. They think you're well, gone. Yeah, you're you're not there, and then even if you are home, they think you're not there. Ah, right. And that hurt. And then, uh, or, oh, we can't afford Phil anymore. He's in Bon Jovi. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you guys are having a discussion. I'm not included in. Yeah. Please, why, why don't you, you just ask me? me? Yeah. Yeah. You got my number? Call, text, yeah. email. Please. What, what's your Please? rate now? I'm like, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Let's hang. <laughs> Hire me. Yes. I get it. Yeah. So that, that was kind of, uh, 
it was kind of rocky a couple of times Mm. but um you know it's it's one of those things when the fans even in 2013 the magic was you know you're in madrid in a hotel lobby and a fan runs up and says can i get your autograph and you go yeah and she pulls out three drill cds see and that was ah Uh okay yes of course yeah you know that was pretty amazing and then you meet people like well i bought your drill cd and i really love that song it's the lyrics i really connect and i'm like wait a minute you bought the drill cds and you listen to them <laughs> we're still so, wired like that man yeah you like it you, yeah you did you like me really <laughs> i so, love you man <laughs> but it's it's you know it's you know the, the other thing that happens is you become um your name gets out there more you know since since the whole bon jovi thing uh i've jammed with um some of my heroes you know Billy such Gibbons, as holy john roth uh who called me on my birthday actually yesterday which is yesterday was your birthday yeah i turned 55 ah you're i'm still older than you i got you by a year brother happy birthday man so wait you're 56 so they call they, people are like hey happy what do they call it double nickel double nickels yep so what's 56 double nickel and a penny <laughs> I don't know. No one calls me anything anymore. I Dude, think it's hush. I have to no. tell you when, and I got it now. I've been talking about me the whole time. But when, when, uh, you know, Kenny told me about you, I kind of dug into that that hole too. And I was watching a lot of your stuff, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's the crazy talent." Oh, thank you, and man. And I found there was one. It was called I don't know. It was a performance in a van. And it was oh, nothing compared a band. to you, just yeah. you and Keys. And I was uh, riveted. No way. The whole time. Oh, I'm like, well. Because I'm riveted by stuff I can't do. I can't do that. Got it. Wow. And I was I'm blown really away impressed. that you checked I, that out. I, I know I think I told you when we were texting or on the phone or something. But uh, I was really excited about doing, getting to do that Funk 49 with you. Wasn't that fun, man? I mean, for me, just for the fans who are listening to this, if you don't know, go check out Funk Friday. You know the series that we've been doing. The 49th one is a tribute to Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, who who is in the Eagles, is a legendary guitar player who wrote a song called Funk 49. And of course, we had to do this song for Funk 49 for week 49 or episode 49. I call my buddy Kenny Aronoff. I said, who do you think would be good for this? And he said, you got to try my buddy Phil X. I'm like, cool. I don't know, Phil. He said, let me hook it up. Of course, Kenny with his energy. He's like, we were connected within 30 seconds and you and I hit it off. Great. And, you know, let me tell you the truth. Now I decided to play guitar on this as well, which was balls of steel uh, because I can't play guitar. Like you play guitar. So thank you for, uh, not going, Jesus, you should turn this off. You know, you were very nice, man. And it was just but, an honor no, to play. You, you have a great feel, though. It's it, For me, it's, uh, I think you, you told your story and then I told my story. But I, I think the true star of that track is Lenny. Yeah. I love war. I love, uh, you know, Lowrider and Cisco Kid. Yeah. And all that stuff with the percussion. and. Uh, I was like, you know, it's funny. I think you sent me the track and you said, you know, I don't have Lenny's track yet, but I'll send it to you when I have it. And yep. then when I put it in, it was like, oh. Lenny's the baddest. And he's oh, been on half gosh. of the Funk Fridays and he's become such a dear friend. And, and that's what the beauty of Funk Friday has been for me. I get to meet people like you, get to yeah. meet people like uh, uh, Lenny. I mean. And same thing. I got to meet you. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it's I really fun. When music brings people together, that's, the, that's one of the best parts, right? That's the silver lining in COVID for me. I'll tell you that. Just yeah. because we're, you know, it's coming up on an hour here. I, I'm, we're coming near the end. There's something that's important to me that I want to ask you. Tell me about being a dad. Man, I, uh, for me, it was like how, like, okay, I got to be an uncle before I became a dad. I was a dad to dogs before I was a dad, dad to kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's a buffer, kind of, right? Right. Training ground, baby. But man, when I held my son for the first time, it was like holding up my heart. And I was like, 
I was like, oh man, I'm never buying a guitar again. <laughs> it's, it's all about you. So, and that, and that's honest to goodness, like how I felt. I have friends that haven't had kids that are musicians and they, they, they you know, I always, and people like to compare stuff. Like, you know, what's it like? What's yeah. it this? Give me an example. Give me a comparison. So, you know, playing in a mega band, being a musician that plays in a mega band. And so we sell out Madison Square Gardens, which is a dream venue when you're a kid mm-hmm. and for two nights. And okay, so uh, I'm in a mega band. We sold out two nights at Madison Square Garden last year. Um, being a dad is better than that. Ooh, it was, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't really compare it to anything. It's not, you know, it's not like having that 59 Les Paul. It's not right. like right. 56 uh, Chevy uh, Malibu. It's, 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 it's from your loins, dude. It is loins, yes. <laughs> Actually, I... And then my daughter was born and that took it all over the top. You know, oh, yeah. actually I got to be a bonus dad before I became a dad too. Really? So my wife has a 23 year old from her oh, first great. marriage. And I met him when he was 14. Uh, and then I was talking to my buddy, Ryan Roxy, who lives in Sweden and said, Oh yeah, we don't, we don't use the step word. We call him bonus. And I thought, how did I not hear that in my 50 years? That's the coolest thing ever. It really is. It really is. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm his bonus dad. And, you know, obviously when we were out and about, you know, I, I call him my son. But when, you know, if he were both dads are there, he goes, hey, these are my dads. And I'm like, wait, wait, is it's not really? like that. Oh, okay. Biological bonus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. That's a beautiful way to look at it. It really is. I really was fascinated by that whole, uh, and not, not about the term, but that I'd never heard it before. Yeah. It's pretty, because it's such a great term. Well, that's a cultural problem, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I, I like that switch, man. That, that, that trend should, I hope that takes hold because that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. Dude, this has been so much fun. Before we leave, tell me what you're up to. Where do we find you? What are you doing next? Are you going to put that record out? Is it out? No, it's it's we're working on it. It's in the it's in the mix. Well, stages. tell Chris Lord Algy to hurry up, dude. He's a busy guy. I know. But you know what? He keeps me busy too. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Um. Because when I got back from the tour last last uh, March 13th, straight into lockdown, mm-hmm. um, I was scared for three months. Yeah. I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my family? Everything yeah. got canceled. Bon Jovi got canceled. This got canceled. That got canceled. Projects got canceled. But in June, people started making music again. And I had the ability to record at home. So people were like, hey, can you throw guitars on this? And one of those guys was Chris Lord Algae. He Ooh. started producing in this COVID madness. Okay. And, you know, because a couple of times it was like, I'm mixing this song and the, I can't even get anything out of these guitars. Can you replace them? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then it became, wow, you're really quick and really awesome. And I'm working on this thing. And if you want to be the guitar player, who should I get to play drums? And it, it turned into this whole thing. And this project just has been flourishing. And some of the best music that we've made, it was with Chris this year. No so kidding. If he's busy, I'm, I don't press him. I'm Got like, it. hey, hit it when you can, dude. But right. there's a lot of songs. Volume, okay, so Stupid Good Lookings was volume one. Volume was six songs. Volume two was going to be six songs, but now it's going to be 10 songs because there's, there's been a different drummer on every track. Like I oh, said, wow. I, lo- I love drummers. Okay, but yeah. In, in this case of it being so long since, since volume one came out, we're just going to put 10 songs on it. I do realize that people love content, but not all at the same time. Yeah. But if I do, if I go on my live chat and talk to 30 to 60 app members, premier members on my live chat Mm -hmm. and go, do you guys want six songs or 10 songs? It's usually unanimous. They want more. They want 10 songs. Is that right? Yeah. So it's good to, mind you, I love you on her lips that just came out. That's a standalone single. 
Yep. And then that, and the song that we put out at the end of last year was called Right on the Money. Mm-hmm. Great um, song. And that was a that was our COVID ISO video slash fan video. We got all these fans in it singing the chorus and stuff, and that was really amazing too. You cut that but, at Capital for his uh, mix with the Masters or something like that, right? And we did three songs there. Oh yeah, that was so, a song that was recorded there, and that was my first time to see Chris do his thing because it always like I do my guitars at home, he does his stuff at, at his studio, mm-hmm. and we never see each other. You know, right. I deliver Dropbox. He delivers PayPal. See you next week. You know? <laughs> Perfect. Um, so when we went into Capitol, I was completely blown away. I'm watching this guy um, play a key, uh, like a, a, a sound console, like a keyboard. Like he's, he's dancing and doing this and doing that. And then we were doing right on the money. And I think after the, the tempo change bridge section, I was just going to go into the third chorus out. Yeah, and he came in the room. And he goes, "Hold it, hold it, hold it. We got to do this thing." Yeah, let's. Brent Fitz was the drummer. Brent, you take this drum break, build into a solo, build that into the the chorus out, and that's exactly what we did. Looking at each other, like I love recording like this. There's an urgency to it. Dan didn't know when to come in for the. I'm, I'm going. Out. I'm giving him cues, and we're doing this, and there was no edit. There was no overdub. I mean, I I put another guitar on the right when I got home just to fatten it up. Hmm. But the guitar you hear on the left was recorded with Dan and Brent. And Brent, what he played is what you hear on the track. And what Dan did on bass, you hear on the track. It's just, I, I love that. I love- Live. Guys yeah. playing their instruments for a yes. whole four minutes. Yes. It was so fun. Uh- it was so fun. And, and then well, it turned um, out great, man. And it was funny too, because I called Brent about the video and he goes, dude, I, I don't, I really don't know what I did and I'd have to learn it. And it would take me a couple of days. Can I just like read a magazine for a joke or, <laughs> or you cut to something? I ended up cutting up, cutting to uh, VIP photos from the tour. In the oh, UK. great. So that it all ended up being a fan, fan item, fan video. It was Perfect. really awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, going into Capitol Records was great, and Chris right. choosing us was flattering because he's worked with so many bands. Of course, yeah, you got to say yes to that. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So we find we we don't know when that's coming out, but where where can we find all things Phil X? Uh, Instagram is Phil X eleven eleven. Okay. Um, Facebook is the real Phil X. And YouTube is also, my YouTube channel is also PhilX1111. And uh, there was, I I was getting into this role of, I got to get YouTube happening or something, you know, when lockdown happened. So there's some really cool covers on there. We did a really cool black dog with, uh, with Tishy. And we did, um, I did, I went way deep into Unchained by Van Halen with Kenny on drums. Oh, cool. And, uh, and then after that, I talk through the whole guitar process. Like it's not the Frankenstein, it's a Les Paul and I have to wear it higher. So the chugger chug is right. Right. And this, the low E string is slamming into the pickup, which is why it sounds so violent. Ah. And, and the new striped MXR flange doesn't even come close to this 1976. You brought him into the tech world and how the how to. you know what? Because I got a kick out of it. I bet you this did. Is, this is me being a nerd and welcome all that want to hear what I have to say. Sure. Because, and I thought, I think the cover came out awesome. It's Dan again on bass. And then um, what else did we do? We did, do you know Randy Cook? I don't. Okay. He's another Canadian. He's a fabulous drummer. He's down here. We did a really cool fire on fire. It's called Power Trio on Fire. It's fire by hendrix oh but it's super fast and i do this really stupid uh solo medley at the end where i go from the you know eddie van halen's beat it solo to (laughs) to randy rose's crazy train solo everything's fast yeah faster than it should be and i think before that there's some tv shows flintstones gilligan's island and excellent so it's a a lot of fun i have my musical tastes and uh and craziness is evident. <laughs> and humor. And you're a knucklehead. And that's perfect. 
dude, we're all knuckleheads, man. Yes, all my favorite are. musicians are knuckleheads. It's the only way to be. That's it's all about my big brother Billy, who's an incredible bass player, played with the Steve Miller band for twenty five years. He's a great upright player. He says it's all about the hang, man, and he's so right. Because music okay, wait, for me. Wait, did so twenty five years? Yeah. Does that take us back to Midnight Special, or was it after no, Midnight Special? After Midnight Special, because eighty eight. Because I played guitar. Likes- I played guitar with Steve in from eighty eight to ninety two. My brother played bass. My other brother played keyboard. So it was the Traveling Peterson Brothers. Oh, oh it was t- man, and that's back when I was still partying my butt off. So it was I not love pretty. That. Anyways, we've got stories to tell each other. So our hang is not done. It might be yeah. done for the for the uh, the podcast, but we got we yeah, we're hanging sure. now. Thanks for ha- ha- thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for being so transparent. It- I think getting the real stories about what it's like to actually live the life of a musician, how yeah. you um, love being a dad is so cool. I love that story, and just your journey from when you're in high school and you're mom and dad supporting you and giving you love and sending you on your way. And now you're in Bon Jovi. Keep doing yeah, what man, you're doing, man. You're such a positive dude. Turns out. I feel, like I said, I think I opened up with this whole thing with, I feel blessed that I can just play guitar every day. And yeah. Pay the bills. And, uh, I mean, if we're not creating, what are we doing? Right. I know we're lucky. Yeah. Aren't we? We get really to do that. Are. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, brother. I appreciate it so much. Phil X, everybody. Paul we'll see Peterson. You. Yeah. All right. We will uh, see you in a couple of weeks. We are out. Thanks for watching Music on the Run. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razzo. Artist relations by Owen Sartori. Video editing by Tanner Montague. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, don't give up now. We're almost home free.